Windsor, Windsor. Ascot, Ascot. Maidenhead, Maidenhead. Bracknell, Bracknell. Wokingham, Wokingham. Henley, Henley. Reading. Reading. Okay. Ta-da. The Voice, River Radio of the Thames Valley. Welcome everyone to this show. Let's do lunch with me, Jenny Tishi. I'm your host, and this show is all about food and nutrition. We invite onto the guests, onto the guest, onto the show, a series of guests who are all related in some way, shape, or form to the food or nutrition industry. And today we are joined by Jenny McGuckin, who is a registered nutritional therapist. She empowers clients to improve their health and their vitality, and her specialist areas of interest are female health and digestive health, which we're going to dig a lot deeper into. She's got a clinic in Berkshire, but she also works with clients online and she works under the brand GoNourish.com. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. Good. And now, what sparked your interest in nutritional therapy? I think really... It started properly when my eldest daughter, who's now 18, was diagnosed with ADHD. Mm -hmm. And I can remember very naively going into that appointment with the doctor after the diagnosis to talk about medication and just going, "Okay, that's very nice. But what what are we going to do if we don't want to try medication? And him just saying to me, well, we just sign you off then. And like, you know, there's no other alternatives. And I think there was just something in me that day that really kind of thought, hang on a minute, this can't literally be the only way we did actually go down the medication route for a while Mm -hmm. and it didn't really suit her for many reasons Um, and that's really what sparked me kind of looking into right what else is out there there's Mm got to be more I think it's just that kind of curious mind of thinking like this can't be it how old was she at the time she was eight eight so we're talking 10 years ago so where did you seek further information were you googling were you asking other people what other forms of you know sources did you have for your information at that point I was 100% Dr Googling yeah (laughs) that's (laughs) That's the obvious way I suppose um yeah and so that led you to find out I mean I'm guess it wasn't just nutrition that you found out about there would be other things that you looked at too yeah I mean mostly I was kind of looking at the nutrition side of things she was also really struggling at that time with lots of digestive health issues Mm. so she was a bit stinky she doesn't mind me saying that (laughs) (laughs) that's a great way of describing it probably how you would to an eight-year-old right so stinky that's what it is yeah (laughs) and you know she wasn't very happy with the fact that she was reacting to lots of foods Mm. and you know just feeling really icky which you know really can't be helping with those symptoms that she was struggling with anyway yeah so um I then kind of was listening to lots of podcasts and reading books and um I can remember just coming across um a nutritionist whose podcast that I listened to and just went I think sometimes you just hear the person you go that's the one yeah that's the one I need to go and work with mm. and that's what happened we worked with the nutritionist basically and that's that really kind of gave me a taste of oh this is really interesting this is really exciting you know I want to know more yeah and from that kind of point knew that at some point I was going to go ahead and do nutritional therapy qualification and that connection um between digestive health Mm. and ADHD I mean that 
that's obviously something you understood a little bit more about. But for people that have never, ever come across this and now, of course, doing what you do, you'll yeah. understand it in well, not only layman's terms, but you'll understand it in, you know, probably far farther in depth. But can you just explain in layman's terms, like roughly what that connection is between the digestion or the digestive health of someone and what might be going on in terms of ADHD? Yeah, well, there's a huge connection between the gut and the brain. Mm. And there's the vagus nerve that people are getting, you know, a bit more understanding around. Um, and they really kind of talk about your gut as being like a second brain. Mm. And this, you know, just as much communication that goes from the gut to the brain as there does from the brain to the gut. And when you kind of think of something like ADHD being quite a neuro, you know, um, issue, mm. then uh, it makes sense that the gut is going to be involved somehow because it, there's this really strong two-way communication. Yeah. Um, so that's the gist of like how I kind of like think about and explain it to people and there's a lot that you can do kind of beyond that as well looking at like blood sugar balance and mm -hmm. you know just how to kind of nurture the gut because when you're nurturing the gut you're also nurturing the brain yeah um, yeah so yeah it's, in, it's quite lucky in some ways because it isn't always obvious um with sort of gut health issues that there may be a connection mm. and yet there very often is a connection between gut health and what's going on um in terms of mental well-being but it's more obvious if somebody does have digestive issues so in yeah some ways that clue was quite useful for you wasn't it absolutely definitely and then we you know we really did notice the difference when we kind of cleaned up all those gut health issues that she was just calmer mm. you know that really really helped with her concentration reduced the hyperactivity yeah and just that general sense of feeling quite agitated as well and over what sort of period of time did you have to implement change and then see benefits from the change yeah so I think probably took a good six months to really kind of start making an impact mm. it was quite quite hardcore <laughs> go on uh, how you know, hardcore re really kind of like taking a lot of um like those kind of typical gut triggering foods out so like yeah. the gluten and the dairy and really keeping her diet as clean as possible thinking about taking like additives and mm -hmm. colorings out as well because they can be quite stimulating for the nervous system and really just trying to keep things as like healthy as possible lots of really good healthy fats and we did notice such a big difference in fact that when we took her back to talk about her coming off the ADHD medication in fact she was off there nearly off their ADHD medication that bit like even the clinician who saw us noticed a dramatic difference mm. and said he was really interested but it was completely outside the scope of what he was like able to get into on the NHS it which really is a little bit frustrating it? but it was nice to kind of get that recognition from him as well that he also saw a big difference yeah so. but that, I think that's a really important point here we're not saying one or other approach no. is right we're saying actually what you can do is combine approaches and you certainly were able to to very safely make some changes to your daughter's diet and alongside the medication you were able then to see a difference in what level of medication she needed yeah. which is great because I think sometimes people worry about looking outside of medication or the root medication because they think oh gosh but what if we were to do without this yeah. you know support and you know the medical support that we think we may need well you don't have to jump two feet into anything no. you can do alternative things alongside Absolutely. And actually, interestingly, back then, I was a bit more kind of anti-medication. Yeah, interesting. And it has been that over the years, and as I've kind of learnt more, and things have developed with my daughter's health, that we kind of come off medication, gone back on medication. Mm -hmm. And now I'm very kind of much like, you know, what you were talking about there, that it doesn't have to be an either or. Yeah. And really have seen that when I've been working with some other clients with um, more kind of, 
the IBD, which is irritable bowel disease, yeah. you know, sometimes they absolutely need that medication to get things in, under control before mm-hmm. we kind of progress to yeah. um, other things. I think that's so, so important. And also, you know, just to say, if you build that mindset of you have to be in one or the other camp, it can be really dangerous and mm. difficult for people to accept straddling yeah. both camps but if you go in with an open mind if you can and, and and have a look at alternative options alongside whatever the medication or medical route is then that's quite empowering isn't it because yeah. then you feel like you can just accept the best of every world yeah exactly <laughs> you've then got so much more um on, on the plate haven't you yeah. to choose from which is um the best place to be in yeah i agree so you became ultimately you started studying nutritional therapy now why did you choose nutritional therapy i mean obviously yeah. there's a connection between nutrition and health and mental health and well-being but why specifically nutritional therapy so I did actually first go and do a more simple simple um, nutrition course which was a bit more kind of sports based oh, okay. and um, it was an online course really enjoyed it and that really did start my journey into working with clients mm-hmm. because I was very lucky that on the back of that course a friend had been working with a nutrition nutritionist on her own health who was then taking on coaches into his business uh-huh. and his specialism was IBD so Crohn's and ulcerative colitis mm. so that got me on my journey but I then realized that actually there's a whole a lot more learning that needs to be done if you want to work with those more complex cases and that's what gets me excited I really like the autoimmune conditions you know the complex um, bowel health issues the mm-hmm. hormones all that kind of thing I didn't want to just be limited to let's look at your diet and make some tweaks there I kind of like to be able to do the testing and I think that's where I thought you know with nutritional therapy it's that step beyond just yeah. you know um, diet and lifestyle advice mm-hmm. it's also being able to you know run lab testing really kind of understanding what the doctors are doing what the medication's doing if we're going to bring in supplements you know how those two worlds interact with each other and how yeah. you can do that in a safe way so that's so, what nutritional therapy was for me really a deep dive a deep dive but interesting <laughs> as well I mean IBD inflammatory bowel disease like you say that that is something that does require a huge amount of knowledge when it comes to understanding diet of course mm. but but to your point it has to be in many cases supported by medication so another one of those ones where you're straddling yeah. so you studied that uh, online course initially but then ultimately you studied further yeah yeah so then spent three years traveling into London and back um, studied at CNM which is um, one of the the main kind of schools in um, in London mm-hmm. um, and I knew that I wanted to go do it in person. I did have people in my world kind of going, you don't have to go do it that way. And I was like, no, 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 I want to go meet (laughs) other people who are really like in the same kind of mind, you know, mindset as me, Mm. um, build connections and friendships. And, um, but also kind of be in that classroom environment because I knew that that's what um, was going to help me learn Mm. next. And then the pandemic came along and kind of screwed that up a little bit. (laughs) We did quite a lot of online learning. Oh, you did. But, you know. (laughs) It happened, you know, and we all had to, adjust so that's that's absolutely fine but I mean so when did you graduate from so there? I actually graduated last year cool yeah and so since then that's when you've been able to take that even deeper dive into things like inflammatory bowel but also you've uh, started focusing as well on women's health yeah so it was quite interesting when I went to um to college to study further I didn't think that I was going to go into women's health Mm. and I had one of those really pivotal moments when we were doing the female health lectures where I was a little bit ashamed and embarrassed because I was sat there going 
oh my god there's all this stuff yeah. about my body as a woman that I just don't know anything about mm. and then I was thinking about my daughters and thinking about other females in my life and being and I think it just kind of switched something in me of thinking actually you know this is super super important and then also kind of reflecting on the clients who I'd worked with up to that point a yeah. lot of the ones that I really enjoyed working with were like females yeah um so that's where I you know since I've kind of launched uh, my own business and been practicing and building up my own clinic that it does tend to be women that I'm working with around hormonal stuff and gut health as well Mm, it's interesting what you attract based on (laughs) what you enjoy most but also how empowering it is to understand your own body I think that's probably one of the most eye-opening elements of of all of this so if people listening in are not sure what would you say is the difference between like what a nutritional therapist does and perhaps what other people in the world of dietetics and nutrition do Mm. so that people can understand a little bit about your role and what they might expect of coming to see someone like you yeah so I really think that with nutritional therapy it's a very holistic approach Mm -hmm. so it's a bit like we're talking about the the conventional medicine versus nutrition where I think with nutritional therapy you've got your foot in kind of in both camps because the way that I was trained is very holistic you're looking at the whole person it's not just about what they're putting into their body diet wise you're also thinking about how they're sleeping how they're moving you know stress levels Mm. it really does go beyond just food um but at the same time you use a very evident science-based approach so you're kind of thinking you know in in quite a 360 way which I really really love Mm. and I think the other thing that um I really that differentiates between maybe somebody you'll go see in the NHS and working with a nutritional therapist is that we're kind of think always thinking that why but why but why but why Mm. and looking for like not just you know if you put a medication into the mix and sometimes it's suppressing a symptom yeah but with nutritional therapy you're thinking why is that symptom there in the first place Mm -hmm. there's something in the body that's imbalanced that's causing that symptom we don't want to just suppress it we want to get to the root cause of why it's there in the first place yeah I think think that's the real kind of difference for me that makes a huge difference I think to people's understanding of what nutritional therapy is and how you approach it but I think also the point you made earlier on about the fact that because you're straddling and you're looking holistically you are also thinking about well if there is medication great you can support with supplements if there's supplements there's medication maybe necessary alongside but also you're not just looking at the symptom you're not just looking at the health condition you're looking at all of the lifestyle factors that surround it I think that was one of the most important trained in nutritional therapy but taking a slightly different approach myself I think one of the most important realizations was that nutrition does not solve everything but it's a really good start (laughs) it's a really good starting point but it's really interesting that sometimes it's not even the food sometimes you get a beautiful food diary and you go oh yeah (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) but you know that there has to be other stuff going on then and that you know and sometimes that's harder to kind of address the stress Mm. and that those kind of factors are actually harder to address than just you know give somebody um some dietary changes and but also people how people enjoy food their relationship with food it's funny my sister is a counselor and she often gets the most highly qualified you know psychologists and psychiatrists coming to see her and she's like she's a bit overwhelmed so she's like but what what do they know so much i said yeah but they've come to see they come to see you and they keep on coming back to see you and there's a reason for that you know and, and to your point you know you've got to be able to have the skills as a coach as a therapist to be able to advise 
all the 360 you described it's brilliant um so let's talk a little bit about i mean you talked about how you got into nutritional therapy and that you were inspired by your own daughter's experiences with her own health um, and your support of her from the age of eight but what about your own childhood i mean did you grow up in a particularly health conscious household would you say this is why you were intrigued enough when your daughter needed this extra support i think that we I I, some, I think we grew up in a very typical household that like my mum had an idea of, you know, real food being important, yeah. lots of vegetables being important, but we also did get sucked into the low fat fad, you know, mm-hmm. those kind of things. So I think we had an eye on being healthy, but at the same time probably didn't have like a, a, a huge amount of knowledge about mm. nutrition and you know how that kind of impacts different health conditions I would say that um you know I spent 10 years of my childhood in South Africa and what I remember is lots of salads and <laughs> fries so like loads yeah, of yeah. meats which you could argue whether that's particularly healthy or not but you know but lots of like sunshine and like mm. you know eating outdoors so that, that was quite nice so you got um, your vitamin d fix definitely got my vitamin d fix <laughs> you got your protein <laughs> for sure got my protein might have been a bit charred but you know <laughs> it's a good point actually though so i mean i was going to say like what i mean growing up in south africa then from what age to what age uh, was that so my parents i think it was quite adventurous i was 11 months old what? when we moved out there let's just go to south africa <laughs> with our baby <laughs> and uh i was nearly 11 when we came back so it was a good wow. 10 years so you have really right you have memories strong memories i'd yeah. imagine of that time so what sort of thing i mean other than those sort of, did, did you have you know i think about I, I think you're probably slightly younger than me but i mean yeah. i have very clear memories of the sorts of foods that i had available you know in supermarkets and it just got as i got older it got more processed there were more snack foods more bars that you could buy at checkout is that the sort of thing that you would have been faced with at sort of a, like yeah. 10 11 or is that sort of was that unfamiliar were you still eating real food because that was what was available I think it was very, I I do kind of think that what we were experiencing in South Africa was very kind of Americanized Mm. from like the TV, but to also, you know, what was available in shops and um we my parents business when we're out there was um supporting the catering um trade so oh wow okay. so, so very so much my dad was you know um maintaining like kitchen equipment for, oh, wow. for like chain restaurants um so I spent quite a lot of time in restaurants actually probably not always like making the best choices so mm-hmm. it was a real kind of mixture I think of like some really really healthy good food my mum's a brilliant cook and she's one of those people who just throws the meal together she doesn't have to follow a recipe and that's really really nice yeah um but at the same time like it wasn't all completely <laughs> and, and how about you are you a throw it all together or are you a follower yeah, recipe type a bit of both yeah yeah a bit of both but like I, I can kind of chuck things together I think you just as you get older if you cook a lot you kind of develop that skill over time oh, you, you? You, you say that but my mum who is a brilliant cook she uh, still claims she can't do it unless oh, she follows really? the recipe and she has like I mean literally all over the um oh, I say all over the kitchen that's unfair sorry mum but if you're listening <laughs> but she does have have these like scrappy bits of paper upon which are and it's all in ounces of course you uh-huh. know the old measures um you know the soup that she's always made the potage bon femme which actually I went into one of my books because I loved it so much the smell of the sautéing leeks and onions and carrots in butter oh just divine but yes yeah, she's always followed a recipe so she finds it really odd that I do what I do you know it's funny isn't it how it changes from yeah. generation to generation this is fascinating I'm absolutely loving this um if you're just joining us I'm with Jenny from gonourish.com and we've been talking all about what it is to be a nutritional therapist what inspired Jenny to become a nutritional therapist 
We're going to be talking a little bit more after the break about Jenny's specific areas of interest, which are women's health and digestive health. Windsor. Ascot, Ascot. Maidenhead, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Bracknell. Wokingham, Wokingham, Henley, Henley. Reading. Reading. Okay. Ta-da. The voice River Radio of the Thames Valley. Welcome back to Let's Do Lunch. I'm Jenny Tishi, and today I'm joined by Jenny from GoNourish.com. Now, Jenny, you are a nutritional therapist and your specialist areas are women's health and digestive health. I mean, what specifically do you find your typical client coming to you needing help with within those areas? Yeah, so I'm finding... Everyone's talking about perimenopause now, aren't they? They are. Very pertinent <laughs> uh, issue. Yeah. And I'm finding a lot of clients are coming to me in that kind of perimenopause kind of age range. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing a lot of that. But obviously, there's a lot of, um, you know, health kind of conditions or symptoms that could be perimenopause. It could be something else. Yeah. So yeah. It could be a bit of a ruse in some cases, couldn't yes. it? There's so many things. What would you say is the typical age range for perimenopause? Because you hear mm. different versions but what would you say from your perspective so interesting because I think even myself I thought that menopause was something that happens when you're kind of 50 you know 50s plus and actually a lot of women from kind of early 40s sometimes Mm -hmm. even a bit earlier than that are starting to get those hormonal shifts Mm And I think, you know, there's so it's so easy to put down a bit of fatigue and, you know, not being able to sleep very well and all these kind of issues that can come along with perimenopause on, you know, just the day to day life. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and actually, you know, sometimes it could be that there's just all those hormonal shifts are starting to happen, but they're a bit more subtle. Mm-hmm. But there's also some really more serious, um, you know, things that come along with perimenopause a lot of women don't really associate having lots of anxiety um Mm -hmm. sometimes quite crushing depression um and those things can also be associated with perimenopause so I think you know it's really really good that it's been spoken about so much more yeah and it's good that people are kind of starting to associate those kind of symptoms because I think also not just women themselves but also sometimes family members around them it might not always necessarily be you yourself who notices those changes because you're in the thick of it aren't you yeah do you know what I was reading about that the other day I think it was um Rod Stewart was talking about his wife Penny Mm. and the fact that she he knew exactly what was going on because of the symptoms that she was sort of sharing with the rest of the family yeah. you know because it was so obvious that she wasn't quite herself yeah so it was brilliant that he, he was talking that he was talking about that yes. which is really good so when um from a perimenopause perspective when do you think it's important that people seek some help and don't suffer in silence what sort of things do people go do you know what I've just had enough Jenny can you help me with this what mm. sort of things do you see there I do think it's those you know Fatigue is a huge one. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, women can just find that all of a sudden they feel very overwhelmed and anxious about things and really, really tired Mm. and not quite understanding why that's happening because they haven't really changed much in their life or their diet, perhaps. Um, And then there's, you know, a lot of the other kind of symptoms that people worry about talking about things to do with your vaginal health, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's if you're getting a bit dry, if mm-hmm. um, sex is becoming painful, yeah. if your periods are becoming very, very heavy, yeah. which can be, you know, an early sign of perimenopause. Um, these are the kind of things that, like, I think we're just quite bad as women at, like, brushing under the carpet. Yeah. But actually, if you kind of manage to catch these things a bit earlier on and figure out what's happening and ask for help early rather than later, then that's a better place to be rather than trying to unpick things when things have actually, you know, absolutely 
absolutely hit crisis point and you just can't cope anymore. And you know what? I have to say, again, the celebrities that are speaking out on this subject are doing a great service for, for all women. Um, I think, you know, like Bow Babe did for bowel cancer in terms mm. of a re- sort of raising that awareness around a subject that people don't like to talk about. He likes to talk about poo. Well, let's talk about vaginal dryness and let's talk about heavy periods um, and let's talk about depression and fatigue and anxiety related to perimenopause and menopause and the fact that you've got so many I mean we've got Davina McCall really championing it yeah. as well Mar- Mariella Frostrup she's written the book yes, hasn't she, she has, yeah. um, and I mean it's great isn't it that we've got it so is many amazing I think it's just fantastic that it's become something that's acceptable to talk about mm. because I don't even think a few years ago it was as acceptable to just talk about perimenopause and mm-hmm. menopause in the way that we are now and I think having somebody like Davina as well you know to really talk openly when she's somebody who's like clearly very fit and yeah. healthy looks amazing she's sexy you know mm-hmm. it was really transforming the way that we think about women yeah. in this period of their lives yeah um, which is all just absolutely fantastic I do still think though that there's a lot of like a huge gap with um, with knowledge basically and I find it a little bit frustrating that everyone's just straight on to kind of well you just need to do HRT 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 mm. when mm. actually you know that might be the the solution for a lot of um, women but there's a whole lot of other stuff that you need to either do alongside HRT because you've got to think about that healthy terrain that you're putting those hormones into yeah. or you know if somebody doesn't want to go down that route what else is available that's where that way of thinking of it you know you just did just inspired my own thinking on that but thinking about you know the environment you're creating mm. for the hrt if you do take it to be the most beneficial yeah you know you've got you, to have the right environment haven't you if your cells aren't healthy and communicating properly with each other it doesn't matter whether that's your own hrt uh, hrt it doesn't matter <laughs> but that's your own hormones that your body's producing mm. or whether it's hormones that you're putting in in the form of hrt yeah. your body needs to be healthy for things to work properly Brilliant. So, so interesting. And then um, what about um, digestive health? I mean, do you find people are, again, I mean, I guess it gets to quite, I always used to say this, you know, people would be really desperate when they came to see a nutritional therapist because they've tried everything. But do you think people are more um, able to speak about it uh, these days or? Absolutely. I always still go into my conversations about poo Good. <laughs> and flatulence Good. a bit cautiously <laughs> because you know just because yeah. you never know what that person's uh, you know w- what their experience and what their kind of um, taste for that kind of conversation is like. But I'm rarely, rarely find that somebody is unhappy to talk about those things quite openly, which is just absolutely brilliant because, you know, digestive health is so, so important for any system of the body. And whether we're looking at, you know, some of the digestive conditions I've worked with or whether we're looking at hormones, digestive health underpins everything. Yeah. So, you know, to be able to kind of say to someone, right, what's your poo look like and how often do you go every day you know we kind of giggle about it yeah. but actually it's really really good to be able to just have those conversations and not feel shy about it yeah and then I think it gives people um a bit more courage to go and actually speak to their doctor if there's something going wrong or to yeah. you know actually just notice what's going on in the toilet bowl you know it's so important isn't it that I remember that my daughter was having some sort of strange cramps she wasn't sure if they were prior to her period coming uh-huh. or what was going on so I, I literally turned around and I said look at this and it was of course the Bristol stool chart good old Bristol stool yeah, chart it's so useful though and of course 
for younger people, there's the version, isn't there, which is based on chocolate bars. Yeah, so they can that. say, oh, I'm a bit like Maltesers at the moment. And you might be a bit constipated <laughs> then. But it was really useful. She went, oh, I'm mostly, I think it was, yeah, I think she said I'm mostly fours or something. I said, well, that's okay, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but it was, sorry, my daughter who's 17 <laughs> is going to be horrified. I'm discussing. <laughs> anyway, her poo on her. Um, but the point was, it was so helpful that she was willing. That I mean, yeah, I probably did get a side glance after the conversation, like, why do we have to do that? You know, but it wasn't in public. It was at home in the kitchen, and now it is public. Sorry about that. Um, but it is brilliant that we can discuss those sort of things. I think one of the things um, that, that I mean, I noticed. So I have a really, really good friend from university who was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis mm. just before she came to university. She lost her mother quite young, and I think the trauma. Of that yeah. um, may may or may not, but I mean, yeah, there's theories, aren't there, around trauma and particularly osteoarthritis. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, now she wouldn't really discuss it at university, and yet now I realise how debilitating it was for how much she had to hide away from mm. us. But you know, now we are nearing our fifties, we can talk about it openly, and it's. I don't think it's just age, though. I do mm. genuinely think we, as a society, we've become much more willing and open to discuss these sort of things, yeah. um, which is brilliant, isn't it, for someone Absolutely in, in your brilliant. position? Definitely. But it's not just um, inflammatory bowel disease that people come to you with, is it? Mm. I mean, what other digestive issues do you tend to see in your clinic? Yeah, so digest. It's very, very rare for me mm-hmm. to see somebody, anybody who hasn't got some kind of digestive distress going on. Yeah, and that can quite often be things like bloating, constipation, sometimes diarrhea, mm-hmm. um, reflux. So I was yeah. recently working with like quite an elderly lady who was struggling a lot with reflux. Um, and I always think it's quite interesting that we just seem to have quite, even though we talk about these things more openly, we have quite a high tolerance for these kind of issues and just think like, oh, it's really common. So, you know, I'll just kind of put up with it. Mm. But actually, one of the messages that I really like to get out there is that any kind of digestive issues or something that you really want to jump on and figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not able to absorb your nutrients because your digestive system's not working properly, then you haven't got, you know, what you body needs to work properly if you're not Mm. eliminating properly then Mm -hmm. you're causing problems with like storing up toxins and hormones recirculating that should have been pooed out you know it causes absolute havoc with so many different areas of the body so any kind of you know bloating constipation anything like that I think it's really really wise to just try and figure out what is actually causing that problem Mm -hmm. is it that just that you need to shift your diet around is it that you need to try probiotics you know there's so many different options available but just try and find out why really because it's so so crucially important for health It, it really is and I mean I started studying nutrition in 2003 and I don't ever remember really focusing on gut health specifically as a module or even it yeah and I imagine it probably was quite a big feature in what you were studying because our knowledge is so much better now around gut health isn't it and it seems to just go at a pace at a rate of knots in terms of how much more we seem to understand are there any particular um kind of people that you uh sort of you know researchers or or scientists that you follow in terms of their knowledge or or awareness or or do you just tend to keep your own you know kind of um, continuing professional development yeah broader sense I mean I don't think there's anyone in particular when 
talking about like researchers or anything like that but I do like to just kind of dip into the literature that's available mm. and just kind of keep an eye on what new like thoughts and ideas are kind of um, coming up yeah there's some podcasts that I really like to follow where they kind of do that nice job of like getting all the literature or the scientific literature and like summarizing it for you that's cool because that's a really good yeah. starting point we to like. go actually you know which bits do I want to then go and read more into and like get a better understanding on yeah so I kind of cheat like that yeah <laughs> yeah, I can totally understand that. Now, when we're talking about inflammatory bowel disease, um, you know, here we're talking about ulcerative colitis and Crohn's predominantly. Mm. I mean, people, I would assume, you know, once they get diagnosed, they might think that the best place for them to get advice is the hospital where they were diagnosed. But what is it that you offer that differs from the sort of advice that you're going to be offered by a hospital-based dietitian mm. for IBD? Yeah, so... I don't, you know, I'm always cautious about what I say about NHS dietitians because I don't, I can't say that I completely understand the way that they've been trained, mm. but I think it's that kind of taking a bit more of a holistic approach like we were talking about earlier. I've been a little bit dismayed sometimes that people have been told that maybe diet doesn't make a difference and doesn't matter and that they seem to be very, very focused on just keeping calorie content up mm. because a lot of people with Crohn's and colitis can really struggle with maintaining weight yeah, because they're on, on the loose so much and they're not absorbing their nutrients. So um, I think... First of all, how can you say that food doesn't matter? This is an inflammatory condition, mm. so you need to really look at an anti-inflammatory diet. Yeah, food and can food be an inflammatory is a agent. Huge, yeah. huge, you know, part of that picture. Mm. Um, and you know, thinking beyond the f food, what else is going on? What does their um, gut microbiome look like? Are there parasites in there? Are there not enough of the good guys? Are there too many of the bad guys? Is that, you know, a, another trigger or yeah. another um, role in that inflammation? Um, you know, stress. I've had some clients who actually, it doesn't seem to be that much to do with their diet that's a huge trigger for them, but it's like the stress that's a really, you know, huge um um, trigger for their having having a big um, flare mm. so th there's lots of different factors and I think that's where you know stepping away from just what you're kind of being um, advised in an NHS hospital where they're they're just they look things are looked in silos too much mm. whereas um, taking a step back and having a look at everything that's going on in someone's life you know one of the clients I had was a painter and decorator mm -hmm. and we actually figured out that you know it's the chemicals and toxins from the paints and oh, you know what golly. he's using that was having a big role in him having symptom flares right. so you do you know the, there's so many factors you have to kind of really be able to step back and go you know what combination of these factors are causing problems yeah. and what can we do to reduce those? Actually, in that case, it might be better that his clients are having better paint put on their walls for the client's <laughs> yeah. health as yes, well. That's true. You never know. Very true. <laughs> um, I mean, prevention is going to be better than cure. We mm. all know that's a very common phrase. But I mean, what advice would you give to people um, in order to reduce their chances of suffering from poor digestive health? And we've talked about the effects of trauma and stress. Mm. Those are one thing. But from a kind of diet perspective, Oh, and maybe lifestyle as well what advice could you provide to our listeners I think the first thing is always going to be making sure that you're getting loads and loads of vegetables and fruit in there because yeah. 
there's just so many benefits there's that fiber there's all the different nutrients there's all the plant chemicals that you're getting from all those different colors mm. a goal that I always like my clients to work towards is having half their plates being like really colorful fruits and vegetables mostly vegetables but you know some fruits in there as well mm-hmm. um, and that really feeds your gut bacteria which have a positive impact on your you know your gut health and other um, parts of your um, yeah, of your your general health um, and then a step aside from that is, you know, looking at whole foods, you know, really, really trying to keep your, it's really difficult today actually to do that, isn't it? To yeah. not have any processed foods in there. But the more wacky ingredients that you see on an ingredients list, the probably less of that food you should have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, eating food that your body recognises is really, really important for your digestive health because yeah. it knows what to do with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, when you recognise it, your body recognises it. Yeah. So therefore, it's a good thing to go with. Definitely. Um, and then what else would you recommend? Slowing down. Yeah. <laughs> she just... says in a very calm voice. Yeah, it really so... is. I, I think, you know, it's it's underestimated how m- big an impact slowing down around our meal times can have. Mm. But basically, yeah. when we're busy and rushing around we are very much in that fight or flight kind of mode and our body isn't interested in digesting our food. And once you slow down and chew properly (laughs) and really kind of relax over your meals, then that can have a huge impact. And I've seen just that alone make a massive difference to, you know, somebody who's maybe struggling with reflux and um, and bloating. Mm. But again, it's that, it's quite hard to do sometimes because we just live such busy lives yeah but it's definitely something worth exploring and just whenever you can you know stepping away from your work stepping away from your desk just being in a nice relaxed environment I always Mm -hmm. tell people to take a good few deep breaths before they start eating to try and switch into that rest and digest mode rest and digest rest and digest we love that (laughs) and really really like chew your food well if you're if you are struggling with digestive issues Mm. you know that's one of the main kind of things that you need to focus on to make sure that your body's got a fighting chance of actually breaking it down if it's struggling already yeah do you know it's so key that isn't it I think especially with the event of lockdown and people working from home Mm. the number of people that literally don't schedule in even lunch you know they don't schedule in breaks they certainly don't schedule in lunchtime because they would have had it in their office set up but they don't have it when they're at home and they just literally go from one meeting to the next then they're barely able to stand up between meetings I also think it's really interesting that like I can remember when I was growing up that it just wasn't acceptable to kind of walk around and eat with your feet yeah but like people do that all the time now I know I do it as well you know you just pick something up from the shop and you're in a hurry and you've got to get to the next place and there's not going to be time to stop so you Mm. kind of eating on the run yes but I still kind of see people doing it and just go like that's a little bit weird that we do that that that's become totally acceptable we even have a section of the supermarket which is eating on the go yeah, or on the go. go food or you know like that's designed to make you eat it on the go yeah. oh gosh sure it is you know we don't realize do we what's happened to us no it's really interesting okay so right I would love to understand a little bit more about some of the success success stories you've had, but let's just take a brief pause and then we'll find out what Jenny from Go Nourish has had in terms of customer testimonials, because I think we're going to have some uh, some eye-opening ones. Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. 
Welcome back to Let's Do Lunch. I've been joined by Jenny McGuickian, who is a nutritional therapist, and she's been telling us all about her specialist areas of digestive health and women's health. But we're going to find out some of your success stories, aren't we, Jenny? So mm. what have you, what, what testimonials have you had from your clients? Okay, so... They're all quite long when I was looking and I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to read this out on the radio. Can we extend this show? Anyone? Anyone? (laughs) But I've got one from a lovely client who I've just been working with quite recently. Um, And shall I just read it out? Yeah, go for it. So she says, "Um, I went to Jenny after months of unsatisfactory help from my GP. I have an existing thyroid condition that I didn't understand, weight gain and bloating, upset stomach in the mornings. I've been trying all manner of vitamins and hacks on the internet. Big mistake, I know. (laughs) But Jenny is the first person who's taken a look at all my issues as a whole. And only three months later, I feel like a different person. I like having someone to guide me so I'm not in the dark. I've lost the stone and weight. My bloating is gone, as has the morning diarrhea. And most importantly, I understand my thyroid condition that I was diagnosed with 13 years ago. And there's lots of things I can do to help. And I love this because I think that um, this testimonial just kind of really points to the fact that it doesn't have to be difficult Mm. and things can change quite dramatically in a short space of time. Yeah. Um, But also that, you know, there was a big gap in her knowledge around understanding what her condition was. So she's been, you know, had a thyroid condition for 13 years, but didn't actually understand, you know, what that meant for her and what she could be doing in her day-to-day life to support that. And actually what happened was we got her body working much better with her thyroid uh, meds that we had to like, we had to cut them down because um, we were seeing that her, her thyroid was then working too hard and she was, you know, actually having too much of the thyroid medication on board. So, so that in that sweet. sort of case, she goes back to the GP, they do the blood yeah. tests and they go, well, hold on, we need to adjust that medication because your diet and lifestyle interventions. Exactly. So, I mean, that, that was it. I loved that one. It was a, a really, a really good win in my books, um, you know, and that that's the bit that I really love is like, I love people feeling empowered about their own bodies and yeah. understanding what's going on with their bodies. Mm. You know, it's not just about me going, um, here's, uh, here's a, you know, a plan, go follow it. It's yeah. really about that education piece about you understanding understanding you know what's going wrong how can you help and in that situation you could see how she would have got a diagnosis 13 years prior she would have made some adjustments as in she would have taken the medication and probably noticed a bit of a benefit so yeah. then she thinks that's fine over the course of time small things happen and your health gets worse and worse and worse until it's quite debilitating yeah then you're like well hold on I'm still taking the medication I'm doing everything I've been told to do by my doctor but what it's not working yeah so that's where you come in well, it's quite interesting with thyroid as well, because what you'll typically see is somebody start on thyroid medication on a dose yeah. and then that dose just keeps on increasing. Mm. And, you know, levothyroxine, which is the typical thyroid medication that people are on, um, you know, I'll see people up to like 200 um, micrograms mm. and actually your own thyroid itself would only make 100. So why would you ever need more than that? Wow. So you have to then kind of think, well, what else is going on in the body? Why is the why are the cells maybe not seeing that thyroid medication? Mm. Is it being absorbed properly? You know, there's lots of other factors than just putting a medication in. And that's a perfect example of how, you know, sometimes it's not a case of we're binning the medication. Yeah. It's actually like, let's get things working nicely in your body so that it knows what to do with the medication that we're putting in there. So it identifies it and mm. uses it correctly. Exactly. Have you got another one there? 
So this one's a quite short one, <laughs> but it's one of my absolute favourites because I know like what kind of situation this client was in when mm-hmm. she came to me. And she was um, a, a single mum mm-hmm. to a little boy who's on the autistic spectrum. So yeah. life is very, very stressful. And one of her main ways of dealing with her stress was sea swimming and running, you Good. know, things that she absolutely loved. But then she also had ulcerative colitis. Yeah. And it got to the point where her symptoms were so out of control and she was flaring all the time that she wasn't really able to leave the house. Oh, my God. Without, you know, thinking about where the nearest toilet was. Mm. And that's like a huge mental load, not just dealing with those physical symptoms on a day to day basis, but actually not feeling like you can't leave the house yeah. when you've got a little boy. Um, and, you know, th- those kind of all those coping strategies are, are the things that, you know, going out and exercising yeah. that you couldn't do those either. Um, and the, 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 um, testimonial just says it's life changing to have such fabulous bowel movements, um, and general health and, oh, my nails are so strong. And, um, she just absolutely made me die this lady because when things got really good with her bowel movements, she described them as page three poos. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, (laughs) they look that good. (laughs) That's brilliant. I love that. That's a great analogy though, isn't it? Like that should be what we're aiming for. And I love the fact that, you know, someone in that condition obviously has got used to talking about their stools, but wouldn't it be great? Here we are. If we can all talk (laughs) about them, because when they're not quite right, there's a reason. Exactly. And we need to know why. That's so helpful for us to understand. Now, here's a question for you. Tell us what a typical day in the life of Jenny is. <laughs> Still very much seems to run around my kids, even though they're getting a bit older. Yeah. But yeah. So we always, we like to do a good breakfast in our house. Like we, me and my youngest in particular are very breakfast orientated and feel like, you know, if I don't kind of have really good breakfast, it can completely derail the rest of my day. <laughs> but so you. we do a good breakfast um, and then school run. Mm-hmm. And then when I get home, it tends to be, I find my job's quite varied, really. So, you know, sometimes I'm having calls with clients. Um, Sometimes it's actually doing like more research and Mm -hmm. kind of figuring out, you know, um, maybe like what supplements we're going to be using. Does that interact with medications, that kind of thing. Um, Writing webinars and presentations Mm -hmm. and workshops, doing more of that kind of work, especially around the perimenopause kind of stuff. We're doing a a nice workshop um, soon in conjunction with a GP, which will be quite exciting. Brilliant. Um, and I'm currently also writing an online course, a perimenopause um, course, you know, that people will be able to access as an online course. as a first kind of port of call to like just get some better education around um, what perimenopause is and managing yeah. symptoms, that kind of thing. And then I usually... I, try to be really good about factoring in my lunch and some sort of movement there doesn't always happen every day and then it's like back to school run and then the afternoons are very much you know focused around cooking some good food but Mm -hmm. also like the kids activities we spend a lot of time at the ice rink because my daughter figure skates so that's quite difficult isn't it once you get into sort of kids activities Mm. trying to I mean we we always have this thing where we're trying to eat together but you know I have a daughter that's got two jobs yeah and then a son that's got more I mean you know joking aside we have literally so I think he does four different activities (laughs) and he doesn't seem to be slowing down you know it's it's quite hard isn't it then to sort of try and sit down and enjoy a meal together And one of the things I really like, it's a weird to say that I missed the pandemic, 
No wonder what you mean. That's slowing down. And actually, we had a good period of time where we were all sitting around the table every night, eating mm. our dinner together, and then playing games afterwards. Oh, it was really, really nice, and I miss it. Oh, so we're trying funny. to kind of bring a bit of it back in, and like you know, sometimes have those. Remember yeah. the old days. Remember the old days <laughs> back in the pandemic. <laughs> so, as a nutritional therapist, I mean that mm. you're. It sounds like you've absolutely hit, you know, struck gold. It, this seems to be exactly the right career for you. Are you happy with your choice? I'm very, very happy with my choice. <laughs> Good. And if anybody listening wanted to follow in your footsteps, what advice would you offer them? I think there's so many courses out there. I think the first thing you really need to figure out is what kind of clients you want to work with. You yeah. know, what kind of scope of nutrition, you know, and what is it that you're trying to help with mm. client um, clients with? Because you could be a health coach, you could be a nutritional therapist like myself, you could be more focused on like sports nutrition. There's lots of different avenues. So I think really kind of, I felt like the first mistake I made was like, you know, doing, um, I signed up for a couple of courses actually, which mm-hmm. like when I got into them, I was like, this isn't the kind of work that I want to be doing so you know figuring that out but you know also just just really go for it it took a long time for me to actually go okay I'm I'm gonna commit to this Mm. and invest the time and the money and I wish that I'd done it years and years ago but um you know it's so rewarding like it is just absolutely the best decision I ever made and I really miss being at college actually because it was just the best time you know being surrounded with by like-minded people was just absolutely fantastic do you keep in touch with the people you're at college with yeah we do we have kept in touch and what are they Um, up to now yeah it's a real mixture of people doing all sorts lots of you know people sit, setting up their own practices mm-hmm. or um some of them are doing alongside you know previous careers that kind of thing some of them have had babies thrown into the mix yep. so those are <laughs> that was me and would you recommend specializing um i think you have to kind of i don't know this is a really hard one mm-hmm. because i think it's good to try lots of different um you know different client types different types of conditions to actually figure out what it is that you really love Mm -hmm. I quite like that idea of being a generalist yeah but and 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 I do work you know I, I market myself towards women but I work with children and men as well but I do think it helps in as far as like being a sanity saver Mm -hmm. to focus a little bit somewhere in something that you actually really enjoy yeah um because there is just so much learning to be done and so much research out there that like you know it's difficult to kind of take on the world and to do to do it all so and also in terms of timing I mean you mentioned that you wish you'd done it earlier but Mm. in many ways you said there was a moment when you were studying that you realized the importance of understanding your female body yes and understanding therefore how empowering it is to know what your body's going to do next (laughs) (laughs) Um, and and what you can do to help it and support it so you know that may be more relevant if you were a bit closer to perimenopause than if not yeah and I think I think as well like just to be able to keep that open mind that things can change along the way yeah that even if you decide to specialize in one kind of area that it doesn't mean that you can you know you that you can't switch to um, a different area of speciality yeah and i fully know that you know I'm going to hopefully be doing this for a long time but this as I move along that you know things will probably change and morph and Mm. you know how I deliver my work or um, you know my area of specialism might actually change as well. Yeah yes it's so true I mean you know I trained in nutritional therapy and I don't really have 
a clinic anymore yeah. you know I do mostly workshops and write recipes so you know it does go to show that even though I did originally have a clinic and I was specializing in men's health then uh-huh. it's all changed so it yeah. can all change as life changes and takes you through to different stages so um is there any uh, if people want to know more I mean you've talked about the perimenopause workshop with the GP you've talked about your online perimenopause course how where can people find out do you want to tell us a little bit about the dates for the for the workshop the perimenopause one well it's sold out oh we can't book on we can't book on <laughs> great but Will you, be running, you must be running it again I think it's already sold we're, we're doing this is the first one that we're doing together there's a pt myself and a gp great and combination we're hoping that's a really nice winning combination so it'll be the idea is that if this goes really well and we get good feedback that we will be doing more brilliant so um that is certainly the plan but yeah i mean all this kind of stuff is very much on my social media um so i am go nourish with jenny um on facebook and instagram just writing this down (laughs) my my website is go hyphen nourish.com um where you know you can you can book i always offer anybody who's interested in work with me if free 30 minute consultation to really just talk through what's going on with them and decide if it's a good fit Mm -hmm. uh, moving forward um so yep those are the the best ways to kind of find out and keep up to date with what I'm doing and I do recommend people do that because there's two things at play there first of all you know we started out at the very top of the hour talking about what nutritional therapy is and people may be unfamiliar with that so I Mm -hmm. think it's good to ascertain that with you yeah and also I can't imagine why you wouldn't want to work with Jenny but (laughs) it's good to work out whether you're the right fit for whoever it is that wants your help yeah absolutely because personalities sometimes work brilliantly and and sometimes they don't but like I say there's I can't see any reason why you wouldn't Uh, anyway right um anything else you would like to add before we move on to the quick fire questions I think I just want to say that like one of my perceived barriers for somebody working with a nutritional therapist is I think it's going to be hard and actually it doesn't need to be hard Mm. um even I'm amazed still you know and I've been doing this for a while that it's quite minimal baby step changes can actually give huge results yeah so you know don't be afraid of it being something that's gonna be really difficult to do um you know the whole idea of working with nutritional therapists is you're very supported in making the changes and that somebody else can identify like where you're going to get your big wins quickly yeah um so yeah that was the main thing just you know get the support if there's something that you want to work on I I agree entirely and if I'm truly honest I think it's one of the reasons that I don't do clinical work because (laughs) the support you get is phenomenal but Mm. it's you are totally invested in in the people that you work with aren't you? you you really do take it on so wonderful well thank you so much we're going to move on to the quick fire questions here so uh what would be your last meal on earth this is the hardest question <laughs> ever <laughs> but I decided that it would be a really really beautiful buffalo mozzarella Ooh. with some really fresh ripe tomatoes yeah. a good olive oil a good mm-hmm. peppery one and some basil leaves and olives and I think that's like just that's heaven on a plate so that's actually what I have for lunch oh, is <laughs> that's really funny even so I'm going mm, mm. That sounds heavy. Play that again. or is that just gluttonous um who's been your biggest inspiration Oh, is it a bit cheesy to say my mum and dad? No, like, not at all. I just, Wonderful. you know, I really think that, I think as you get older, you appreciate your parents more and more. And, you <laughs> Straight know. Straight become your parents more and more. <laughs> yeah, 
definitely. But I think, you know, just even from like the fact that they had had this adventurous spirit and like took, you know, went out to South Africa when I was a baby. And my dad's just so like hardworking and like both my parents are very funny and like energetic. And I think there's lots of things that I can see in them now that I go like, oh, you know, I hope that I'm like you in that kind yeah, of way. Yeah. My mum's very, very fit. <laughs> and I'm always just like... Oh, if I could be as fit as my mum one day that would be amazing because she's just so energetic it's amazing and do you, do you think you hope that your girls appreciate you as much when yeah, they're your age and I looking hope at you so. and, <laughs> please please and then if you were to hold a fantasy dinner party and to invite three or four people your choice who would they be and why they can be from the past as yeah. well as the present I don't know if it's a weird mix or not, but anyway, <laughs> um, I love, absolutely love Brené Brown and the oh, work that she does. She's just fantastic. Yeah. And she is on my bucket list. You know, if I could go see her speak live at some mm. point, because I think she's a fantastic storyteller as and well. And so real. I always tell people like, go listen to her audio books rather than read the books, because okay. I think the way that she talks them, you know, talks the stories is just beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, and, and she does this, it's not an actual book, she's gone audio bit called the art of imperfect parenting which is fantastic it's absolutely been a lifesaver for those moments where I've just been like am I doing this right am I getting it all wrong um the next person from Marie Forleo oh I've not heard of her who's that oh, so she's very much um like a life business coach kind of person she's American she's quite loud and you know um just out there but I just think the advice that she gives people on um about like their businesses is mm-hmm. phenomenal and how do you spell her surname um f-o-r yeah l-e-o oh okay that wasn't that far off <laughs> no. <laughs> and one of the things I really love that she talks about is like that it's okay to be multi-talented entrepreneur and I love this concept yeah. of like you know you don't have to focus in on one thing it, it can morph it can change it can be lots of different things that you're interested in you don't have to niche 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 which yeah. is um, or niche 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 niche, 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 niche. <laughs> depending on which side of the Atlantic you are um so the next person would be Dr Chatterjee of course because he's just like how amazing is he I think you know I mean you must have watched the doctor in the house yes. series that he did that's my introduction to him yeah yeah everything else followed the same but the thing that I really love and admire about his work is how sim- how much he simplifies things he and does. makes them really, really easy to follow. Mm. And I think we need more of that. You know, there's so many people out there who talk about the more complex side mm-hmm. of nutrition and lifestyle changes and all the science. Yeah. But actually being able to do it, you know, and, and implement those things mm. is the hard bit. And I think he just makes it really accessible. Yeah. And, you know, what a fantastic way for, um, you know, medicine to move for him to kind of you know be a role model for that that's brilliant um and the last person I was trying to think like because I love music and festivals like they've just been a huge part of my life I'm a big Glastonbury goer um but uh I couldn't settle on a musician and decided to go for John Peel the DJ yes who has passed away sadly yes but I thought he would be really really interesting and yeah. I'd get him to bring a playlist because it would be absolutely cracking <laughs> yeah. yeah oh what a great combination <laughs> and I have to say I don't think uh, Brene Brown's definitely come up before uh-huh. I don't even think Dr Chastity's come up before no which is brilliant because that's what I love about this part of the show <laughs> it's so intriguing oh Jenny you've been an absolute joy to talk 
to. Oh, thank um, you. I feel like we've got more and more excited and engaged throughout <laughs> the whole hour. We could go on for another hour. Uh, but if you've been interested in what you've he- heard today, then do go and check out Jenny from go-norwich.com on the web but if you want to go and check her out on Facebook or Instagram it's at Go Nourish with Jenny both of those are the same handle yes Um, and then if you know particularly if you're interested in some of the courses the online course which is um, coming up soon on the perimenopause that's where to go and find out do you have a newsletter um mm. there might be a newsletter at some point i'm trying to get better at that yeah me too me too i know you pay the subscription then being able to send out your newsletters oops we've forgotten again this month um it's been wonderful to talk to you if you have been inspired by anything you've heard on the show today please do leave us a review um we are available uh, this show is available by anywhere you normally get your podcast so apple or spotify or google or wherever you get your podcasts i'm jenny tishi this is let's do lunch thank you everyone for listening uh today it's been wonderful to have you with us and take care i'll be back with you next week Across the Thames Valley. This 